0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What is up? I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a ton of books that have come out Ooh. this week. Let's kick it off talking about a big one finishing up its run, killing it, if you will. The Punisher, Literally. number 12 from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron. Our or starting by... here? We're starting. Here? Yeah, man. Got to get it out of the this way. Is this is a gimme for you, Pete. This is for you, Pete. This is for you. Punisher number 12 from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Jesus Saiz and Paul Azaceta. This is finishing up Jason Aaron's run on the Punisher. And in case you haven't been reading it, Maria, his wife, is back to life. She wants a divorce from Frank Castle. He has become the Hand of the Beast. I don't know. There's a bunch of hands fist. and fists. Fist of the beast. There you go. Daredevil's the hand of the hand and Punisher is the fist of the beast. Is that what's happening?
1: And yeah, and uh, Moon Knight's the Beast of the East, and, <laughs> and Wolverine's uh, the the Finger of the
0: Foot. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on here, but this is wrapping up the run. He has seemingly turned evil, or at least has gone potentially too far on his war on crime at the behest of the Hand. Potentially, it's, <laughs> potentially, well, too, I, yeah, I'm potentially. To hear, no, from right. Pete's perspective. It's, there you go. Yeah. I'm, Thank you. I'm, I know there's going to be a debate going on here.
1: Headline from Zalbin Daily: Has the Punisher gone too far? Too far?
0: <laughs> I do love that at Reader. one point of this book, one of the characters, I think it's, I think it's Moondight is like, hey, you're the biggest mass murderer in history, right? And Punisher's yeah. like, sure am. Uh, anyway, the Marvel heroes are coming for him. It all comes down to this, and we get uh, Jason Aaron leaving it in a place like I would say in a classic Daredevil end of run place, where he's like, "Well, I'm finishing up what I have to say, and leaving it in a crazy place for the next person." Goodbye. Oh, mic drop. Yeah. Bye, if there's Pete, one, if there's
1: uh, if there's one person you want to hear from about this book, I think it's me. And I gotta (laughs) say, um, I thought this is, I I don't want to eat Pete's lunch ahead of him eating it, but this run is just, it's epic. Uh, Hang on. It's it's perfect. Before you step on on all my shit,
2: I just want to say, like, I was really impressed with this. Uh, Jason Aaron gives you a kind of like, Little letter at the end there, kind of giving you his his kind of thoughts about the character and summing things up. I I was very uh, uh, touched by his letter. I thought it was very cool that he kind of included that in the last issue. And uh, yeah, Justin, if you want to kind of take it back over, but I was just uh, I was super I was super impressed by what we got in this comic. We got Jason Aaron being like, what if. Punisher kind of and his wife kind of had a moment or one last kind of uh, uh, moment. So I think that this played out uh, very realistic. You know, if you have somebody who's dealing with PTSD and is kind of gone off the deep end, I think that you would want to get a divorce from them and, uh, you know, take the money and run. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was a little. it's, it's, always just interesting. Interesting. It's, it's always
0: interesting what you focus on, Pete. <laughs>
1: yeah. Definitely. Because I yeah. got to say, to say that the realism of this book is what, where it's at is a shocking idea. <laughs> to be like this, that's real. Yeah, yeah that's very real. Fun.
0: But I think what Pete is actually trying to say to translate for you, Pete, for a second is this book is actually dealing with some very grounded emotions and some very right. realistic palpable emotions between the characters of Maria and Frank in particular, in the middle of all this insanity and magic bullets that send you to weird worlds and all of these other things going on where it does come down to the idea of like everything we've always talked about with the Punisher on the show is what Jason Aaron is dealing with here. That yes, he's gone too far. Why has he gone too far? Let's go into it. Is it actually How can you justify murdering thousands of people at this point because your family was killed in a park one time? And what does that mean? And what does that mean for him? But also, what does that mean for her? It takes it to these really fascinating places. And I appreciated how relatively small this last issue was. We've already gotten insanely over-the-top battles throughout this entire run here it ended in almost a more quiet way, even though there was some wild stuff that happened at the same time. So phenomenal, batter run on Publisher. Good enough that it makes me forgive the fact that Jason Aaron used a dictionary.com defines
2: phrase <laughs> in his
1: <afternoon>. Very <laughs> hacky. And you're mad at P for focusing on the wrong thing, Alex, I think you just did the same thing. Because I got to say, like... You know, I don't think I ever have to read another Punisher story. And uh, I guess I won't because this one. Hey, hey! This one really brings together the themes and leaves it in such an emotional place. I love that Frank doesn't like get better, but he does, I think which is something he never does, take ownership a little bit of, of his mm-hmm. legacy, Choices. his yeah. darkness, by banishing himself to Weird World, where he can start over and maybe be more of this Uh, less of an avenging figure where he has to just murder and more of a savior figure where he can actually help people, which I think is a much better place for him. And I like that, especially given the outer world of the Punisher symbol being something that maybe we don't really want to have championed as much anymore because of the real world context it's taken on, to put him in weird world is a really interesting, smart choice. But my favorite part is is the last moment we get here. We get Maria um, having having it out with Frank in a good way. But then she walks away. We have the pregnancy test thing, which I think is a wild twist to throw out there. Yeah. Uh, Punisher, very exciting. Babies. Punisher, Punisher babies. Punisher babies are coming. Yeah. Uh nice. Babies, babies with
0: guns. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> and what?
1: Well, that is a big revelation, and Pete, definitely concerned about the money she has and if she's going to invest it wisely. Um, I, really <laughs> liked, I really liked the last two pages, which harken back to when um, Frank first met Maria in the, in the Belly of the Beast here um, and what first tempted him to take on this new role.
2: Yeah, we got and, that. We kind of got a missing moment there that we finally got, which kind of having at the end was so powerful.
1: And what I like about it is it comes right on the heels of Maria driving away. So it's almost like she's remembering this and remembering it, him at least a little fondly. And I imagine him as we, and we jump right from him to, to him in Weird World. It's almost like this memory is supplanting the picnic. Mm-hmm. So I really like that it gives pa- Frank and maybe Maria something to sort of replace that trauma Something where they, it's still there because they talk about it in this scene, but it's them actually being reunited and having a moment of peace in lives that were otherwise uh, like chaotic. And as I've said, this is a Maria, this whole book is a Maria story. The Punisher's in it, but it's a Maria story. And so to leave us in that place, I thought was great, emotionally satisfying. It's the best Punisher story I've read in in a very long time.
0: Do you think they should have called this book Maria instead? Like this should have been Maria number 12? Yeah, just this issue should have been Maria
2: number 12. Oh, okay. They should do a Maria Uh, spinoff where she's just hanging out, slowly having baby. I I think, uh, you know, uh, Jason Aaron here really uh, set a new bar. I mean, his Punisher Max series was legendary. This kind of really is just such great work. It's really just a cool idea to explore is this punisher and what uh what happened and what what does he mean and and just kind of like really kind of peeling that apart and exploring it in such an interesting way that's also grounded in this insane way like Zalbin was saying i was just very moved by it i was very uh i was very impressed by the things that were covered I uh I liked how kind of Punisher handled himself when he had to kind of uh meet with everybody with whether it was Black Widow or Logan or anything like that. So it was just uh it was it's really impressive the way it started and then the way it ended uh just well done from start to finish. Definitely worth getting the collected and and kind of revisiting again and again for sure. Absolutely. Let's move on to another big issue.
0: Literally, it is huge. DC Pride 2023, number one from DC Comics, written by Grant Morrison, Jerry Holt, Leah Williams, Mildred Lewis, Rex Ogle, Christopher Cantwell, Nicole Maines, Nadia Shamus, A.L. Kaplan, and Josh Trulio. Art by Hayden Sherman, Paulina Ganeshau, Bruca Jones, A.L. Kaplan, Don Aguillo, Andrew Drealon, Mildred Lewis, Stephen Sadowski, Skylar Patridge, and Ryan. Hickman. This is, as you can figure out from the title, a collection that comes out once a year to celebrate Pride Month. Here we're getting, once again, a lot of stories about the LGBTQ members of the DC universe. But I want to give a shout out uh, to somebody that I didn't actually give uh, mention here. And I completely blanked on his name, but the foreword in this book. Phil Phil Jimenez. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Yes, thank you. I don't know why I had a blank there. But Phil Jimenez's forward is phenomenal. Like the rest of the book, great. Fun short stories, beautiful art throughout. I think that was the real standout for me. But Phil Jimenez talking about why it is so important for him and so intrinsic to his character to be an out queer comic book creator and talking about what it means to be queer in the DC universe fascinating fascinating emotional heartfelt yep worth it for the forward alone as i like to say.
1: <laughs> something we oh, wow. rarely say but i mean I, I love this collection across the board this story too. by that you get right out of the jump on, off the jump from grant morrison Grant
2: morrison yeah
1: is so good and is such if you've been jonesing for some grant content uh, this is it. They just yeah. crush it. And it is excellent. The The writing, the art, it just is yeah, crammed this with ideas. In a
0: alternate version of the DC universe. I forget which Earth it is exactly, but. 23, 36. Yes. And we get kind of an alternate version of Green Lantern, who's kind of trying to track out an alternate version of The Flash. They're in love. It is this epic love story, but it is over the frame of what Grant Morrison does best, which is. 5,000 wild ideas on every single page. It's it's superb. Superb story. Superb art from Hayden Sherman. Loved it.
2: Yeah, I was just super impressed with this collection of stories. Sometimes you get some hit or misses, but this was just all bangers. It really was impressive to see what they were doing with this uh, Pride issue, and it was so cool. I mean, great use of Midnighter and Apollo. I really love the Batwoman story. Uh, Just some really fun, like, beefcake dude, like, pinup stuff. Just fun, fun, uh, amazing art. Just uh, some really cool ideas. And, and also, I like the change of the logo for this. It was uh, just really well done. This is a, a total package here and definitely worth picking up. It's it's going to be more money. There's a lot of stuff you get, but definitely feels worth it.
1: I, I want to shout out the subspace transmission story uh, yes, by Ale Kaplan, uh, written and drawn by A.L. Kaplan, like featuring Circuit Breaker, a character I think we mm-hmm. saw in the Lazarus um, crossover. I uh, Beautiful art, interesting story Love the character Definitely down to see more of that um, the, uh, We had a good Robin story here I really liked um, the, the preview at the end of this
0: Oh, for Nicole Main's Dreamer Graphic novel Yeah,
1: man, that was really good Very into the- that
0: one thing that I'll throw out about this book, if you're interested at all, it struck me. And this isn't true of every story across the board, but it's a really good romance comic. Like if you're into yeah, definitely for some fun yeah. romance short stories, there's one with Harley and Ivy where they're oh, hanging yeah. out with Crush. Crush. Is that yeah, the yeah. yeah, which. I kept expecting it to go absolutely insane and action-y, and it really wasn't. It was just like a cute romance story with Harley and Ivy, where they're kind of uh, shepherding crush as a baby gay and allowing crush to be more comfortable with their identity. Um, fun stuff across the board. Really good collection. Definitely check this one out.
1: And shouts to the uh, the tribute to Rachel Pollock um, oh, as well. Oh, yeah, and yeah, that and the was back matter, which is just really great, really interesting. So a lot of stuff I don't, I didn't really, haven't really read. So Some of that really Doom Patrol stuff, so that's really cool.
0: I really think these collections, these DC Pride collections in particular, get better every single year. So I'm very excited that they keep doing them. Let's move on, talk about cat fight, number one from IDW, cat written fight. by Catfight! Written by Andrew Wheeler, art by Elias Chrysaias. I'm sorry, I just mangled his name. I apologize. But the idea of this book is a bunch of cat burglars being brought together for a heist. Or are they? And are there twists? Of course <laughs> there are. This is from the same writer as Sins of. The Black Flamingo, which we really dug quite a bit, though it is a different artist on here. Um, Super fun. I had a good time with this book. It delivers exactly what you want it to be for a book that bags together a bunch of wildcat burglars.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a you you get it all in the kind of title there, and it really delivers. So it's uh, it's just a great kind of expectation and then delivery. Uh, I love the art style; it's kind of kind of a, a fun, uh, younger look to it, which I think really works here. And some interesting characters, and uh, I'm excited. They do a good job of getting you excited for this world, this setup, all these cat burglars, and how it's going to kind of unfold. So, well done.
1: Yeah, I mean I agree it felt a little flipped to me at first, but by the time it uh, it lands the premise at the end of the book, I was like, Oh, this is dope. I'm excited to read more.
0: Let's move on to another comic that I'm sure all three of us agree is totally dope. The Amazing Spider-Man uh, number twenty-six we go. from Marvel, written by <laughs> Zed Wells, art by John Romita go. Jr. So let's talk about this. We're gonna get into spoilers here, but of course Marvel spoiled this almost a month ago at this point. In this issue, we finally get the big events that they've been teasing for a very long time. We get a bunch of revelations here about everybody's favorite character, Paul, as well as everybody's second favorite character, Mary Jane, and oh, also Miss Marvel dies at the end. So a <laughs> lot of stuff is going on here in this book. Um, this sucks. What do you guys think? <laughs> wow, Alex,
2: yeah, yeah! I'm sorry. What's up? I,
0: here's the Come thing.
2: Come on, here's yeah! the thing.
0: No, don't cheer that. I feel bad about that. Everybody puts work into everything that they That's do. True, so I always feel yes. bad about Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, dissing any sort of book. But Zebwell's great writer. John great writer. Jr., great artist. So there's a good team working on this. But all of the moves that are happening here are so wrong-headed to me. We've been having a little bit of discussion back and forth about the uh, hit character of 2023, Paul, on our Slack, (laughs) (laughs) Patreon Slack. Uh, And one thing that's been brought up is the idea that a lot of people online are mad, and maybe some people online in the Zoom as well are mad because Paul is dating Mary Jane. I got to say, that's not my problem with Paul. My problem with Paul is he's a nothing character who I don't really care about at all, other than the fact that... He's dating Mary Jane. I don't know anything about him. And in this issue, Mm -hmm. again, Mm -hmm. spoiler, we find out he is the son of the main villain, who is this guy who is an avatar for another guy who Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. also don't care about. So getting these connections to another character for me as a reader doesn't necessarily add anything to Paul or my caring about him. I do think you get some good emotion from Mary Jane here when she finds out what happens to her adoptive kids from this other world that she was trapped in. That's a hard moment to read. And I think emotionally that's well done in terms of how it's executed because it's really rough and you really feel that. I think even the way that they lead up to the twist of how Miss Marvel dies is well done for the comic, but it's yeah. unnecessary to kill a young Muslim American female character who is just rising to prominence in service of the story of a white male wow. who she has barely been
1: in. I think that's a fair complaint, but I it, that's it's not. Uh, this is a build up to an event about Miss Marvel going into the Marvel movie. Like, yeah, I know. Saying, get her
0: light powers for the MCU or whatever, and it's fine. But I don't. So like, and, no, no. no like from from a comic book history perspective, I understand where they're going. From a yeah. world perspective, it's a really bad look for Marvel.
1: Fair. But I I just think that's not that wasn't the it wasn't like, let's choose this character to kill them randomly. It's an editorial choice lining up with a larger MCU decision. So like like I get it from an optics point of view, but I don't think there's any nefarious underpinnings to this move. No, no, No,
0: I don't think they're like kill the Muslim character. Because they're going to bring her back in six months before the Marvels comes out. I get all of that, but I do think, like you're saying, from an optics perspective, don't do that. Like, figure out another way to do it. Have her. You're dealing with this otherworldly being who, like Reed Richards, is like, "Let me take my fingers, and we're going to put a glyph on this dragon that comes out of Central Park and change it into something else." If you really want to give Miss Marvel other powers. Put a put a fucking glyph on her and change her into that instead of slicing her through the midsection with a sword and letting her die.
1: Well, I I, I agree there, like to send her to this dimension or another place where Mm -hmm. her powers are altered. I feel like that would have made sense. And like, I I understand the complaints you have. I guess I like this more than you guys, because I I like the place it's put. You like this. I I I like it more than you guys. You're having
2: a good time with this comic. You're reading this going, this is fun.
1: I love comics. I'm about to offer literally my uh, positive and negative t- comments. <laughs> okay,
2: great. I can't um, wait.
1: I I really like the way Peter's been done in the, uh, the Zeb Wells run, Mary Jane. I like their emotional stakes, how they still care for each other, but are sort of, it's not working because of all these different factors. I agree with you. They, the way it was constructed, which was purposefully coy, where we saw we moved six months forward, and then now we're only learning what happened. Made it so we don't know anything about this villain or Paul, and it makes it hard to, like you're saying, Alex, care about them or be scared of them or anything. I think it should have been set up a little bit more so we actually – Paul is someone who we can't, don't just not know and so thereby are like, well, he's no good. Like replace – get him out of there. I like the move that Mary Jane knows his secret because, of course, they spent years together. Like all of the moves are right. It's just there wasn't the ligature in place to really put us in a place to think this villain is cool because – Some of it is interesting. It's just it feels random because it just came out of nowhere and then now it's sort of being defeated. And it is like a little like he's a gateway to a god that we don't know. I like the John Romita art in this. I think it fits the story, the sort of totemic nature of the story. And I'm looking forward to where when we get a second to just focus on the relationship things because I think that's where the power is.
2: Okay, cool. Uh yeah, I agree with one thing you said, Justin, and that is the art is phenomenal. Art, yeah. The art is really great cuz it's for Peter Junior, but this is a fucking nightmare come to life. Like, all right, so if we're going to do this thing with MJ and Spider-Man or whatever, what the fuck are we doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So, okay, for alright, so they can't get together because she had kids in another world at a different time she and didn't okay. Have kids. She
0: found kids who don't exist. Yeah,
2: she found kids or whatever, and she's doing the right thing by them. Fine, cool. But then you're gonna that think clapping? that MJ is killed, but nope, MJ wasn't killed because they killed Miss Marvel. What are we doing? What story is happening? This is insanity. Say, how is it, this a pitch that somebody at Marvel said, you know what? I love this story. I'm going to give you the best artist and you're going to fuck whatever you want to do, man.
1: I will say, uh, Pete, you're you screaming about how did anyone at Marvel accept this pitch. You've been doing that f- about Spider-Man specifically for <laughs> over a decade. So it's, a, it's hard to say that they accept a lot of pitches. And well, I will say, if, we, if it hadn't been spoiled, I thought this was a well-done twist.
2: I Go fuck yourself. That is not true. This is not here, a well done twist. Here, I'm
0: going to throw it out. I, I think you actually said it very well. And then we can move on and talk about something else because the whole internet is arguing about this thing. I'm sure at this point, but the, I think you're right about like the ligature, not being there because Miss Marvel first meets Mary Jane towards the middle point of this issue and yeah. not that to be a hero, you need to know the person. That's not the point. You save people no matter what. And I get that yep. because that's superhero literature that how it work. But if Miss Marvel was not introduced at issue seven here, but if she was introduced as a main member of the cast throughout and developed yeah. a relationship with Mary Jane, this moment would have been much more impactful and felt you guys are working red. really hard to try to make this comic good.
2: No, no this I'm is
0: saying I don't think this is good and I don't think these moves are good. And I'm suggesting ways that I think it could have potentially been better. A, and I know a, that's not a good form of criticism to suggest, blessing up the writing, but we're not good critics and I don't care.
1: Well, but I, wow. I, it does feel random that this is actually the, the death of Miss Marvel in this, uh, a, a book where she's not really a part of the cast, mm-hmm. to your point, and it came out of nowhere, ran in, was killed, and then now. The the event moves into another book. Yeah, so it's, it's dumb.
0: Like- I I'm just it's very off putting. Is the whole thing, and then to flip to the next page and be like. A Fallen Friend, The Death of Miss Marvel, we pay tribute to her. Followed by, this wasn't in the book, but they announced, I think today as we're taping, or a day ago or something like that, that they're doing a book, they're like, remember how Captain Marvel used to be Miss Marvel? Here's a book with a similar cover. And I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? What, what exactly is the agenda in terms of what we're pushing here? Like, if we're trying to set up stuff for the Marvels, give me a book where Monica Rambeau, Photon, who has a book Right now, Captain Marvel who has a book, Captain Marvel, and Miss Marvel who somehow does not have a book, but like throw them in a book together. Do a book called the Marvels and give me that, so that you have wow. a treat on the stands for when the Marvels come out. Why are we screwing around with this other stuff?
1: Well, I bet they will do that. Let's hope so. Yeah, it just won't happen for
2: a little. I'm going to kill her first.
0: I don't know. I I assume the thought process was like, Amazing Spider-Man is our premier title. Let's kill Miss Marvel off and there. And they just made the wrong decision. That's all. Power Girl special number one from DC comics written by Leah Williams and Joanne Starrer art by Marguerite Savage and Natasha Bustos in case you haven't been keeping up with Power Girl in the backup stories in action comics. I want to say Power Girl now has psychic abilities where she can go into people's minds. We got a little bit of a setup in the last backup story, but Johnny Sorrow, one of her big enemies from the JSA days has taken over the world and she's fighting against him in the psychic landscape I really like this book, but I in particular really like this book for the Marguerite Sauvage art, which is absolutely stunning, and it's Leah Williams just writing for, hey, Marguerite Sauvage, create as many wild dream landscapes as you possibly can.
2: Hell yes, dude. I totally agree. This is I had a blast with this. This isn't one of my favorite characters, but the art was so super tight. Bananas love the colors, the brightness, it really pops. It's got a great vibe vibe to it. I thought this was a solid first issue, really cool use of Johnny Sorrow and last issue. Oh, oh, well, uh, (laughs) that's too bad because I feel like this was a great package. I love the use of uh, uh, Superman. I thought this was fun.
1: I feel like this one ends with a not the end or just the beginning. So it's not like this is the end. I think it's just the this beginning. The Only end. the beginning is what <laughs> we got And I, I agree with you. I I really like this for Power Girl. First off, I love the addition of the jacket. Reminds me of when they added the jacket to Black Knight over on the Avengers. Like twenty <laughs> twenty five years. Cersei also but got Cer- a that's who I'm thinking of. Cersei is, is yeah. she was wearing the Avengers jacket i love it it's very cool i really love sort of the power set i love you really you rarely get to see a superhero really explore a new power for a while often it's like we had they're like how do i how am i doing this and like when white queen turned it could turn into a diamond she was like this is strange i'm good at it now and i will be going forward and (laughs) i feel like power girl is really like. Trying to figure it out. Uh, her friend Omen, I believe, is, is along for the ride in a cool way. I also love the struggle with her connection to the super family and trying to be like, yeah. ah, I'm part of them, but they don't really like me. And they're like, we do like you. And she's like, ah, I'm not convinced yet. It's just really nice. It shows a it's a more realistic understanding of how sort of family dynamics like that work. So I'm really on board with this. It's only the beginning. Yeah, it does.
0: I will say it feels a little similar to me with the whole Superman family comedy um, to the Connor Kent book, which is like Superman, Man of Tomorrow. I'm forgetting what the exact title is, where he also was like, oh, man, what is my place in the Superman family? There's a lot of Supermans in Metropolis right now. So I did feel that a little bit, but I think the execution is still good. So it ultimately doesn't matter.
1: Interesting, because I feel like with with Connor, he's like, I'm. The, his I'm Superman's son. Who are these other kids now that he has? He feel he, he's feeling replaced. Oh, no, especially. No, no.
0: John Kent is feeling replaced. Sorry, John Connor Kent, that's, Kent that's I mean. is
1: the clone. All right, I mean I'm talking about John Kent feeling replaced. I thought that's what you were talking no, about. I was Super talking Boy? about Connor Kent. Here's the problem:
0: oh. too many Supermans. We need a new de- yeah. Death of Superman. Kill them all. No, wipe them all stop out. Stop killing. Oh. Wow. Lex
1: Luthor was right. See, because I, I, Super Bowl, I feel like, is like, I'm nice. not part of that. I'm going to go do my own thing. While John, I think, is struggling with the other kids who are now going to grow up when he didn't get the chance to do that. Here's the thing. He I think, up.
0: and I believe this very strongly, they should kill John Kent, but they oh, should boy. do it over in, like, The Flash or something like that, like some unrelated title. No, or they should kind.
1: do it in Spider-Man, too. <laughs> that, would be, that would be wild. That's every
0: issue. They kill a new character in Spider-Man. Great. Star Storm number one from Image Comics by Drew
2: Craig. This is about a dude who goes to high
0: school, and he's got superpowers.
2: Yeah, there's uh, Kirby High, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not Grant Morrison. It's Grant Garrison. You know, mm-hmm. Did you see what they did there? So mm-hmm. it's not quite, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. I, I wanted to like this book, and I think there's
0: a lot of earnestness here. I don't think it quite worked to be, for me because a lot of the dialogue
1: oh, was— really? Uh, a little stilted. I felt like it it feels very much like uh, someone's first swing at a comic. And like, it reminds me of like, honestly, like creating comics when I was young and like being like, Oh, I can, you know, you take little pieces from other things that you've read. It feels a little bit like it's, it's collecting ideas, a little derivative. So like, yeah, I, I don't think this is something I'm like, this was cool, but like the art was very specific. It feels like, such yeah. a unique take but it, again it's not something i'm like i love this art it feels like someone figuring out how to draw comics it, yeah
0: time. i mean it's the sort of it's i'm surprised this is going to be very rude to say and i'm sorry but it's i was surprised it was published by image comics if it's something okay, that right, somebody well. said to us from like cooler head comics i'm looking at a cooler <laughs> in my head. well so let's. That's i came up
2: with that While you guys are being negative, let me be positive here. I thought this was a great first issue. I I really thought the art style was very young and very uh, uh, kind of different. So it had a kind of a fresh take on it. I like the fact that it it, uh, felt uh, kind of... Uh, new and uh, struggling a little bit. i trying to figure itself struggling. out, just like the character. Uh, I Yeah, I thought it had this kind of young, not sure what it is, vibe, vibe that fit the whole comic. So, I don't know. I thought for a first issue, they did a great job of setting up the world, setting up the premise, giving you kind of a tease of the cool, uh, action suit that the hero got and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I was in this negative as you, Nancy's, and uh, I enjoyed it.
1: Uh, let me, This Nancy over here, I, I was reminded while I, I was reading this of a comic by the name of Captain Jones.
2: Oh! Pete. Yeah, maybe Pete. that's why I liked it so much. Maybe that's Pete's comic that he uh, made. Can you ago. still read that anywhere, Pete? You want to plug it? Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think you can. Um, <laughs> but, uh... That's
1: called an unplug. Let's uh, uh,
0: unplug, like
2: unplug <laughs> <it>. that. <We're> Let's <laughs> unplug that, yeah. Great.
0: Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number 13 from Marvel, written by Taki Anyabuchi, art by R.B. Silva. This is continuing the Cold War storyline. And finally, we've got a little bit of that Cold War teased by the premise as the two Captain Americas go head-to-head as they've been manipulated by Bucky and the White Wolf. Which is another name for Bucky. So there's like two Bucky's and two Bucky's Americas. And there's a revolution and they're having revolutions. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And there's uh, two Captain Americas and they're fighting and there's explosions in the background and the end.
2: Okay, wow. so uh, yeah, this was, we've kind of hit the uh, run of
0: books that I didn't like very much. Let's. Uh, yeah, I, was I was gonna, gonna say
1: right. <laughs> you clearly well, and let okay. me say, let me say because I agree with you. I found it very like implausible the way the fight between uh, Sam and Steve is set up here. Like it feels like they needed them to fight, so they just like let's have them fight. It doesn't, and I hope they find a way to justify it because it felt very artificial and laid on. But the fight itself, I thought, was dope. And the RB Silvar is um, like, yeah. a, it's like it's like a, a, a banana, but like a, a dense, you know, almost mm-hmm. like a <laughs> super dense bananas. Almost like a tightened uh, banana.
2: I, I thought this was a lot of fun. I mean, um, I I hated to see those two fight, but I was kind of happy but you with how to see them go. No, I was happy. <laughs> I was happy with the outcome and the kind of how it went down. Uh, I really love the last panel. Uh, the spoilers here, but I'm going to read a line. This is whatever trap we walked into. It's still trapping. Uh, just <laughs> a fun. I love Misty Night. I thought this was, was kind of moving things forward, setting things up. Uh, Yeah, I'm having a blast with this, and I'm excited to see them stop fighting and start working together. Uh, But, yeah, you have this when, you know, you get uh, big-time heroes together and everybody's got ideas. You know, sometimes there's going to be some clashing, especially if you start talking about family, because you don't know what my family life was like. But I'll tell you about it as I beat the shit out of you. It was
1: great. I love that dialogue from Sam.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Torrent number four from Image Comics, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Justin Greenwood. This is following a superhero on not exactly a Justice League type team, but kind of that gives you the idea who her family has been targeted by her arch nemesis and her husband has been killed. And now she's gone full Punisher, not the Beast Punisher, but regular Punisher to try to take him down and kill him as she's been abandoned by the cops. She's been abandoned by the heroes. But in this issue, the heroes in her team basically say, you've gone too far. We have to take you down. So she has to take them down in turn. I say this positively. This reminded me very much of the issue in Identity Crisis where Deathstroke takes down the entire Justice League.
2: Oh, wow. Very similar to that,
0: just in terms of structuring as she takes everybody down one by one. Um,
2: I continue to be impressed by this book. Yeah, I really love the tone of this. I love the way it starts where it's like, well, shit. Uh, I thought just amazing art style. Uh, love the action and the storytelling. I feel like this is hitting a great gro- uh, groove here with issue number four. I'm, I'm kind of having a blast with this main character and kind of really kind of exploring things. So uh, I think this is kind of really hitting
1: it's funny you love the beginning because I thought I was a little bit off put by the beginning I'd read a comic we we're talking about a minute local man number four which feels like a better version of this mm-hmm. type of story mm-hmm. in a Jesus, lot of ways take it easy with that so, well I'm just saying um That's so and downplay I, that a little
2: bit I mean you're blaming <laughs> on the order that you read it Jesus Christ well but, but I, I'm stuff. just
1: I'm just saying it's it's similar idea of Justin a, don't you
0: ever compare comics ever yeah
1: yeah, that would be crazy. That's yeah. what. A st- have you ever had a stack of pancakes? I take out each pancake. I'm like, this pancake is really good. Yeah, <laughs> There's the right them. thickness. And this one, little this one's little
2: thin. This
1: one's a crap them. in disguise. I usually take out say. the
0: third one and I say, this pancake is worth it for the
1: art alone. Yeah, ah, exactly. That's
2: nice. And then you and eat
1: I, it I, mm-hmm. and I say this pancake shouldn't kill off a main character in the other wider pancake universe in these <laughs> pages. They haven't earned that. And these cakes. Uh, yeah. This and pancake saying, killed all by is, blueberry
0: syrup over in bacon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, breakfast stack. Let's go. Let's do it. Next up, glass of milk. I don't like it. Uh, what would Doesn't how, many, here? how many podcast <laughs>
0: listeners would we lose if we started reviewing thirty pancakes in a row? <laughs> Probably none of them. I got to be
1: honest. I think. We Welcome
0: were, to I the forum. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it's something that's a main part of everyone's day. <laughs> you come on, man!
0: Start yeah. talking about the comic, Here's Pete. You, uh, Pete, instead of uh, start talking about the comic, Justin, Pete, start talking about the pancakes.
1: Yeah, exactly, Pete. You do the pancake. I mean, we do comics they only come out once a week. Breakfast comes out every day. <laughs> come on, dude. Already yeah. with this, we shit we should do a daily
0: po- uh, podcast about a stack of pancakes. Tori, uh, come on.
1: Why uh, you mad. can't talk about
0: pancakes? They're not digital. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Don't worry. I'm down. It's Mother's Day. I downloaded breakfast in bed for you, babe. What? <laughs> Does it work? <laughs> That's the only thing that people can't write. All these pancakes is just pornography. Uh, whoops. So, what I was saying about that. Pete is uh, so the,
0: small in the camera right now, I wish <laughs> I it <like> it
1: <laughs> It's like out. he gets smaller. If we if we drift away from comics, Pete gets tinier on the podcast. <laughs> Eventually, he's going to be like,
2: guys, guys, hey, guys, what are we going to talk on, about? Come on, talk about the <laughs> fucking comics, you asshole. Stop
1: about pancakes. Um, so, what, what I was saying is, I actually thought this issue to art number four ended in a really interesting place. I like the idea that uh, she loses her powers. Uh, yeah. of like, spoiler of this uh, character has that ability, takes away her ex's powers right in front of her, mm-hmm. who seems sort of nice, but also he's trying to get her. Uh, I really like the art in this book uh, as well. Great. That is worth the wait.
0: Jesus Christ. All right. Should we move on to the next thing? Let's talk about Buttermilk Silver Dollars. Now, I don't like Buttermilk, but Silver Dollars are fun because they're smaller. What do you guys think? Pete? You want
1: less pancakes? Pete? Get out
0: of here. Pete?
2: What, what's next? Star Trek annual local? What the fuck comic is next? But Pete doesn't
1: really have the list in front of him, so he doesn't. He can't even fix it. He's but lost. What's next he is Buttermilk
2: it.
0: Silver Dollars. So take it away. Pete? Pete? I just feel D-Cuts like D-Cuts number two image comics. No, 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 no. All right, I feel like you know I feel like annoy they, me If you start going out of
1: order, exactly. I feel like they retcon flapjacks in a way that doesn't <laughs> make a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> you know they retcon wheat cakes. Where are those? I'd love to see those come back in some form. Here's the thing: I was uh, talking to somebody at PancakeCon recently, and they're like. There are oh. no bad pancakes. Okay. It's just how you execute. Deep um, cuts by image
2: comics written no, by no. Yeah. Avengers, Avengers and Joe
0: Clark. That's like the last book we're talking about. Avengers. Well, fucking Beyond. Go, hey, motherfucker. Hey, s-
2: yo, stop. Where yelling. are you going?
0: We're here all night. Avengers. Effect- Beyond number three from Marvel written by Derek Landy, art by Greg Land. In this issue, the Avengers uh, are going up against the black order. They are trying to fight against this enormous, Armored evil being who's trying to take over the universe and specifically kill the Beyonder. Spoiler here, but it turns out the Beyonder has been tricking them the entire time. So there's a big twist uh, at the end of the book. Classic Beyonder. What'd you guys think about this?
1: Uh, I I like this. The I love the Black Order. And maybe I'm suckers because I feel like they're almost becoming the Royal Flush Gang of the Marvel Universe, where so many comics are like, well, we got to take down Corvus Glaive. Uh, but shouts to the, these names, Black Swan, Ebony Maw, Proxima Midnight, and Corvus Glaive. Oh, great. How do you get that many great names on a team? That shot's an uh, so Hickman. That shot's to Hickman, man. Corvus Glaive. It sounds like nonsense, but it's great. Mm-hmm. Here's the
0: problem is nobody knows what to do with them other than Jonathan Hickman. That's it. Like so they like had the Royal Flash Yeah, 100%. But they had like one use, which is we're, we're the beginning part. We're the lieutenants of Thanos. Thanos is coming. It's all going down. It's going to be horrible. And they were badass in their first appearance. And absolutely right, Justin. Every single appearance says they've been like,
1: we're disposable. Yeah. Uh, oh, Black I'm, Dwarf. I forgot about him.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying the twists and turns in this. I think it's got uh, great art, great fight scenes, fun action. Uh, yeah. Uh, l- love it. Yeah, the
1: Greg Land art, Uh, it makes for some good fight sequences, and the Landy-Land combination is fun. Uh, And let me say, the preview for the next issue... I'm hyped for
0: the I will say on the negative bent, this was my least favorite issue of uh, the all out Avengers and Avengers Beyond. I think this felt a little perfunctory in terms of the concept, but at the same time, I'm still really enjoying this book. Love the twist at the end. I want to throw something out at you guys. The big villain who is trying to kill the Beyonder here is completely armored and masked. He's got to be somebody, right? Dr. Doom. You think it's Dr. Doom? Armor Mask. Right Could be. The, Pete, do you have a theory? Who is no. Armor Man? No? Just no, nothing? Nothing. Okay, great. No theory. <laughs>
1: great. Your only um, requirement on
0: a podcast is to talk, so please don't do that.
1: Let me just say, this reminds me of some of the later runs of uh, Avengers Ult, The Ultimates, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Ultimate Universe Avengers book, mm-hmm. because it, it just is a lot of characters fighting and then like another character's hovering over the planet being like, I'm also here. (laughs) Uh,
0: This is very fun. Star Trek annual number 2023. That's not right. Star Trek annual. (laughs) Wow!
1: No, they've been releasing one each year (laughs) since zero. So it's Jesus was like, and you guys check out this Star Trek annual? I don't know
0: what it means, (laughs) but you'll know. You won't get this yet. But man, yeah. classic Jesus always be. Classic, right. oh, you guys are going to get this. He's winner. always
2: playing the long game.
1: <laughs> yeah, he said, "Beam me up, Holy Ghost." That was like <laughs> oh, one of his boy. catchphrases. Uh, uh,
0: anyways, turned uh, turned water into Synth The Star Trek uh, <laughs> Annual 2023. I almost said it again. From IDW, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Rachel Stott. This in this book, we are following the. Uh, the ship, I'm forgetting the name of the ship that we've been following in <laughs> the, the Star
1: Trek book. <laughs> Oh, I, Enterprise? I thought you meant you couldn't come up with the Enterprise. I was like, no, 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 nah, no.
0: Well, well, that's the weird thing. It's like, it's another yes. ship, but it's an the advanced Theseus. ship that they don't really, yes. the Theseus, that they don't really understand. It's uh, featuring an all-star cast of Star Trek folks. And yeah. in this book, the holodeck basically becomes sentient and sends them on a mission through various Enterprises and other ships, including Discovery and uh, several others. Basically, if you've seen a TV show, they send them there throughout time to find out what's going on leading to a surprising revelation about the holodeck. I'll tell you what, the logic of this bothered me a little bit because it wasn't focused on the Theseus or the Enterprise. It was just like Star Trek shows. But I enjoyed this so much at the same time, I didn't care.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, first off, have you watched any Star Trek in your life? <laughs> logic, the logic gets you to a place, but beyond, especially a holodeck episode. like, yeah, in this one, the holodeck thinks, later.
2: <laughs>
1: so,
0: yeah, Pete, what thought, did you think about this? You're not as much of a Star Trek guy. Yeah, as,
2: I as someone who, uh, I, I thought this hit kind of like all the... Fun characters for me. I'm not, you know, I don't know all the characters, but I definitely knew the ones that were kind of focused on here. It was fun to see Scotty drinking and uh, having some fun. (laughs) And then the fun uh, Captain Kirk reveal. (laughs) where even uh, one of the characters was like, holy crap, it's Captain Kirk, which was my reaction exactly. So, yeah, I think they're really leaning into the fun of this. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was just such a great use of the characters and the art. And uh, it was just kind of a fun romp, I thought. And uh, I, I had a blast with it.
1: Well and I also want to say like reading this comic not just this annual but this all this current run where it is like setting logic a little bit by the wayside and just bringing it together like fun characters and doing fun Star Trek stuff it's just such a great distillation of what makes Star Trek great and Unlike other Star Trek comics who are it's like oh that was that's pretty good i get why they're doing this this made me want to go watch more Star Trek mm-hmm. uh, so oh, cool. uh, shouts to that i i like this a lot
0: yeah this feels like <laughs> this is not the correct anniversary but this feels like Star Trek 50th anniversary special or something where it's just easter eggs all over the place. I love the fact that they had I'm forgetting his exact name but I think it's Shax from Lower Decks even shows up here and he's playing D&D with them at one point. You have like Guinan in the background and super tiny. No, so you know shout out Guinness. to Rachel Stott on the art yeah. in particular for packing every single frame. With so many Easter eggs for so many things. It's very fun. It's a fun read. It's a
1: love letter. Exactly. Exactly. exactly.
0: Let's move on and talk about Justin's favorite book in the stack Local Band, number four, That's from right. Image Comics by Tim Seeley and Tony Fleeks. This is a 90s Image Fleeks Comics sweet. throwback where a dude from a. Youngblood, I would say, style team yeah. has been mm-hmm. exiled to his hometown. He has investigated mystery there that ties back to his original team. Um, and uh, it all comes down to this and this issue. It, all, a lot of the mystery comes out. Justin, what did you like about this book? And why, uh, it, in particular, is it so much better than Torrent Number 4? Yeah, Jesus wow. Christ. Wait, not Torrent Number 4. What was the one you yeah. said? I don't no, know. No, it was
1: Torrent. Okay. It was Torrent. I didn't say it was so much better. It's just... The, it makes uh, the, 24 I, looks like a piece of shit. Take it away. Oh, God, God. <laughs> the uh, it, It's dealing a, a little bit with like a, a new look or like a postmodern take on your classic super team. But what this book really reminds me of in a, in a good way is the Hawkeye, the landmark Hawkeye run by Matt Fraction that really put Hawkeye sort of back on the map. This feels like that for 90s image comics in, in a great way. Um, the Scott Snyder has a quote on the on the front of this book. One of the best new series I've read in a long time. Like this book, if you're not reading it, highest recommendation to check out. If you're at all interested in any of the nouns or adjectives that we've been saying about it, uh, it's a great story. <clears throat> We're seeing this uh, this character like f- fuck up, find his way, uh, win, lose the town, that hates him, like. It has just so many great emotional elements while also having some uh, good action and a mystery that is, you know, still uh, unfolding even in this issue.
2: Yeah, I really uh, was impressed by this. Love the twists and turns. Uh, really like the main character. A really cool last panel. I feel like uh, this is obviously written by pros and it, and it just felt. Tim uh, really, Yeah, it felt uh, really fun and uh, I'm
0: hooked. And a shout out to the backup stories here. I think this one in particular, or maybe all of them are written and drawn by Tim Seeley in classic 90s, 2000s image comic style. They are pitch perfect, like just 100 percent nailing that tone, but also fleshing out the world of the book. Like they're not just goofs, which is really, really impressive.
1: And this one specifically folds into the main story in a way that, like, you you have to read the backup mm-hmm. to get it. And in a fun but very Tim Seeley uh, way does it close, oh, yeah. I would say. yeah. Doctor Strange,
0: number three by uh, from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Pasquale Ferry. And I'll also add it's by another team, but they don't give them the credits in the copy of the book that I read. So I don't know who wrote or did the art. But it is a Nico Minoru story. What did you think about
2: this issue? This is one of my favorites of the week. This was just such a fun kind of like uh, Doctor Strange and Dormammu just having a walk, talking about all their adventures that they've been on together. And I don't know. I thought it was just kind of like a hilarious, fun, uh, just kind of trip down memory lane, but also had some fun twists and turns because it's Doctor Strange. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I I was just really impressed with the kind of art style and the kind of crossover of the backup and stuff. I thought it was really cool and unique.
1: Uh, It's weird there aren't credits for the backstory even in the issue. I'm just very weird. It's very weird. weird. They put it because on the front, it's... but
0: they only put their last name. So, and I looked on Marvel.com, and they don't list it either, and I don't know why. It's a oh, real bummer wow. Because I like the story. Whoever wrote it, I think oh, it was probably... I, I got it.
1: It's you in the front. Um, yeah, Amy Chu and uh, Toki Tokoro. Oh, oh nice. thank you. Uh, All right. It's weird, though, that it's not in the actual... Uh, back area, but it is uh, I, I, it, it's good. It's especially like as a two part thing. Like, I feel like this is something we've been talking about a lot, or at least I have. Like, I'm loving comics with backups. We talked about it with Action Comics, uh, like the way that we're fleshing out different areas and diff- using different characters. Like, it's just, it, I love that experience because you're dipping your toe into so many different worlds. But my guy, Jed McKay on Doctor Strange, this was a great just uh, Dormammu hang. Yeah, uh, Like Pete said, and really well done. I love the way each issue of this feels like almost like uh, back on Black Cat, the way everything was a little bit of a a scam. There was a little bit of twist. This one, we get the twist at the end, which I won't spoil, but it's really well done touching another Marvel continuity. And Dr. Strange gets to be like cocky in his way while actually solving the problem for now, and then a nice twist at the end. It's a great package.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I agree. Next up, World Tree, number two from Image Comics, written by James the fourth art by Fernando Blanco. This is following a naked lady who is killing people and trying naked to infect l- them. Naked knife
2: lady, as I like to call Naked knife it.
0: lady. And trying to infect them with what I like to call a woke mind virus that is taking... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what the fuck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but there's a mind virus that is infecting people and causing them to kill other people. There is a group who dealt with this back in the day this computer virus that infects minds and they're once again trying to wrap up on that this is a much wider spanning issue than the first issue as we flesh out a lot of the characters that we met and i think meet some new ones at the same time what you guys think about this follow-up
2: yeah i was i was super impressed with it i mean uh i'm scared of it as well um this is uh, crazy uh, scary stuff that's going on but the art is uh, super tight bananas uh but yeah it is uh, very violent and very intense and i was really worried about the uh naked knife lady behind uh, the main character the whole time but uh, well we you have that
1: poster of uh, her standing right behind you ah,
2: that's not a poster
1: got him the this book's scary in a yep. way, it's unsettling. It's not just because I'm not really scared of uh, horror stories. All right, in the way time. that oh, some of us are. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. no, I
1: just mean like I don't Pete. have feelings. I don't get scared of things.
0: No. No, I, do. I don't scream and sob every time I see the Boogeyman trailer in theaters.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of those things are true. No, but Pete, you talk about how you like horror bothers you. You don't like to read it or consume it, and right. I like it. But there's something about this story that is more unsettling, despite that it, I agree. it's not. There's not a ton of horror Is it the female
0: it. nudity, Justin?
1: No, uh, big fan. But the <laughs> it's the, the the book has a tone of uh, like a '90s, almost like an Outer Limits or a show I used to watch. Uh, that messed me up mentally. Called Beyond Red Belief. Shoe Diaries. Uh, what? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, what? No, but I know I've read your um, in-depth reviews of each of those Red Shoe Diaries episodes. Thank you.
0: I really try to limit them to five thousand words, but I never get there.
1: Uh, Nice. I know there's so much to say. Um, Erotic Cakes? Beyond Belief is a series I was talking about. But this, or like an X-Files episode, uh, standalone episode, this has like a 90s sci-fi feel to it, which makes it even more unsettling. The way the virus infects people. James Tynan is so good at writing these stories that just get under your skin a little bit. Yeah. And then just blows it out. And this is just another version of that in a more scary tone.
0: Speaking of spooky, scary stuff, Alien Number 2 from Marvel, written by Declan Shelby, art by Andrew Bricardio. This is following a remote science-slash-mining colony, I guess, who is, um, has a bunch of aliens under the ice and oopsie-daisy. They released Stop. all the aliens Yo, going oops. to
1: nest and trying oops, all to, aliens. Yeah, they were not. They were just ice mining, and it just happened to be. I'll tell you what. I for your lives. really
0: liked uh, the first issue of this. I compared to like the thing, just because of the yeah, frozen setting meets and, yep, alien. Yep, yeah. But this wraps up so exponentially by the end of the second issue in a
1: well, crazy way. By the end, by the beginning. The, I was going to say the same yeah, thing. Jumping on like, the backpack, I was
2: just like, oh, my God.
1: Well, the first uh, issue was so, like, ooh, slow, meeting the people, like, doing the same things of, like, don't trust these um, this corporation showing up. And then in this year's issue, it's like, nope, it's 500 aliens are there. <laughs> <laughs> and the backpack one helps out our our hero, like – it just escalates so much that I'm like, this feels like the end of the fifth issue as if yeah. instead of like the end of the well, second, I wanted to this be clear.
0: Oh, you want it to be slower? Because I think I I that's good. That like, burn. I think this feels to me like Declan Shalvey going for broke with his alien stories. Like if this is the one alien story I could tell, I'm going to make it go as insane as humanly possible. And I love that. I like that.
1: It's, It's going for Brocardo, Andrew Brocardo's art, which is also, I think, what Pete's going for. (laughs) Pete, take it
0: away.
2: Were you going to say it's going for Andrew Brocardo's art? Uh, Yeah, I just was, uh, this was scary as fuck and uh, it got real intense real fast. So it it was quite a ride. All right, well,
0: why don't we move on? I don't think, Pete, we're gonna have time for deep cuts number two, so we'll go to the next title after Mm -hmm. that. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. kidding. Image comics written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark, art by Helena Micellas. This is an anthology title that's telling different stories about music and jazz music in particular, it seems, at least in the first two issues. In the second issue, we are following a woman who is hoping to become a Broadway music writing superstar. She's got to write a jazz number for her Broadway musical to save it in one weekend. That's all she's got. And so she's got till Monday. She got till Monday. So she heads to Chicago and learns some important lessons about life. And it ends in a very interesting place. I know we're big fans of the first issue. What did we think about the second
2: one? Well, this is a, a beefy issue. It's it's big. There's a lot going mm-hmm. on, but man, the art is just absolutely phenomenal in this. I love the the use of music in this uh, uh, issue. Really impressive. I thought that it's a a very unique story, and I also love the kind of way it looks like an album cover. Um, Yeah, I think it's very interesting. It it drags a little bit, I felt like, but man, I Mm -hmm. thought it was pretty awesome overall and super creative.
1: Did anyone call this comic beefy yet? Because (laughs) it is beefy. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I do. Lots of beef, yeah. uh, substantial. I, I like this series. I think it is. Uh, I think Kyle Higgins is really like putting a lot into the, these stories, and it feels like like a passion project by the by the creators. So that's really cool. Um, I agree. This one gets a little bit. Uh, your main character feels like uh not the best person someone who's like coming in and trying to take from the jazz from jazz history t- for her own ends I like where it ends up and sort of the melancholy turn at the very end. Uh, But in general, I think this series is really interesting. I'm going to keep reading. I like the anthology. uh,
0: The art is really gorgeous as well. I think the characterizations that Helena Macellas draws are really beautiful throughout. I like the jazz era stuff that we get to see throughout here. And like you said, I think it's good to show a character like that. I think it's good to show something that doesn't necessarily have the resolution that you want that it ends in a slightly more realistic place it's interesting i like it i i do not at any point pretend that i understand the music scene particularly the jazz music scene in the 1920s or anything like that what? I know, so somebody please tell me if I'm wrong, if you were alive then and you know it uh, from first-person experience. But this feels very authentic to me in terms of the way that they're trying to execute it. We read books that play with music sometimes where it just doesn't work because you're a comic book. Here, I think it works, and I really like this book quite a bit. It's smart, and it's interesting. Let's move to our yeah. last one, Clobber in Time, number three from Marvel by Steve Scroce. This is each issue— teaming up the thing with another character in the Marvel universe to fight this time traveling dude who he keeps accidentally bumping into here. We're getting a team up with Dr. Oh, Strange. Yeah. And in particular, the way that Steve Scro- Scrooge, draws him very clearly Benedict Cumberbatch in the, the book. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It continues to be fun and gross and ridiculous. I, I am having a blast reading
1: this book I agree How great yeah. ex, great expressions throughout uh, that Doctor Strange gets to have so many like goof faces which are fun I gotta shout out the uh, healing potion flick that the thing does yeah. right into, uh Doctor Strange's mouth sometimes you just up. gotta
2: flick it man there's no time you know what I mean you just gotta flick uh, it
1: you just gotta flick it. Uh shouts to the things um bear, rocky ass, which you get a yeah, little strong. Right. You're
2: showing a little backside there.
1: Yeah, which you know, I get it. Uh, you <laughs> gotta change your undies every now and again. Um, I also wanted like we get this guy, the un- the unwatcher, uh Tuva 2, tu, who is like a watcher who's like try to look a little badass, but you can't be badass
2: as a watcher.
1: You got, your <laughs> head's too big. You got a baby head. Pete, what did you think about this one?
2: Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I I just had a blast with this. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I love the art style. It's so cool and inviting and just really sets a fun tone for the whole book. Um, I was a a little worried because I had read Doctor Strange before this and was worried I would be over Doctor Strange. Okay. Oh, I see. Well, maybe you should change your pancake order. I wasn't. I wasn't, though, you know, it was just so enjoyable and so pleasant that I wasn't uh, I wasn't affected by my reading order. Uh, That's how good this book is. And yeah, uh, I just I think this is just a nonstop adventure from start to finish and uh, as just a, a fun comic to definitely pick up and must check out.
1: The other thing I like about it is we have this ongoing story of the time traveler chasing down the thing. And I feel like the thing is like maybe one of the last characters you'd expect to really need to be like affected by a time traveler. He's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to get through my day, guy. Why are you mad at me, old steel nose? Get out of here.
0: Well, and I wonder, I mean, to that point, one of the most famous early things stories is the one where he travels back in time with Dr. Doom's time platform and becomes Blackbeard. So I wonder if that was kind of the inspiration or that's something, I mean, next issue, he's going to team up with Dr. Doom. So I wonder if we're going to loop back to that in some way. Um, I guess we'll see.
1: Well, it's interesting. Both this time traveler and Dr. Doom have uh, steel noses. Mm -hmm.
0: You're very into the steel on faces this episode.
1: Well, if you're gonna wear steel, it feels like you'd wear steel. It's your thing. Not a ton of people go that way.
0: Yeah. If you're gonna wear steel, you gotta eat a whole meal. And for us to eat a, eat a whole meal, you gotta support us at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also we do a live show every Tuesday night at seven PM to Facebook and YouTube. Unless there's out. a movie. Unless there's a movie. Uh, yeah. Okay,
1: okay, buddy. <laughs> Uh, it still happens come
0: you know. on out we would love to talk to you about comics had Android Spotify, Stitcher or the <laughs> app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more until next time we'll see you at the comic book shop
1: the best pancake is the one on the bottom because it absorbs all the syrup and just like the best comic book is the one at the bottom because it absorbs the most syrup
2: what? <laughs> Are you eating your commas?
1: No, I'm just pouring syrup on them before I that's read them so, not, I, that's think that's so I can grip way. them with my sticky fingers. Yeah, sounds to me like you're punishing
2: them. Hey, come out. Come on. <laughs>